Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, we're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. share this morning briefly. I probably read this scripture, sat down to prepare the sermon three times, read the scripture 62 times this week. And as fate would happen, no notes came. And so I'm going to talk to you from my heart this morning. Um, I had the, Andrew and I last night, we drove out to Abilene, Texas to see Willie Nelson in concert. And uh, I know, call me a sinner, whatever. Um, But he's a lifetime Texas legend, and the guy's 90 years old. And at 90 years old, I don't know how long I was going to be able to get to see Willie Nelson play. And so I'm actually very, very, this is kind of a, I have to thank Zane as a friend. There are two people that I really want to see, one of them, and both of them, Zane has randomly bought me tickets to both of their concerts. What well, first one was Bob Dylan and now Willie Nelson. Um, the Willie Nelson crowd, though, is different than the Bob Dylan crowd. <laughs> um, and we went to Abilene, and this concert was in a field. And so um, if you can imagine this picture, it's a music festival, and there are RVs and trailers and the, the gig here is bring your own cooler. And there was a few thousand of us out there. And the rednecks showed up there, showed up in, in spades. And so um, we're there listening, you know, to, to different people play. And Willie gets, gets on the stage. He, I've been to a number of concerts. I've never seen so many people pull out their phone and start you know, videoing or taking a picture. And I think it's because they're like, this guy is about to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it was pretty amazing. He actually sang and played pretty well. And, um, but it's, it's quite a, it was quite a spectacle. And I, as silly as it was, I, I just sat there and was just thinking about how there are certain people that their presence, for whatever reason, people people just want to see them. And just them being in a place creates a spectacle. And I want to read to you, because this was a spectacle on, on Palm Sunday. I want to read the scripture again. And I will be brief, I promise. 
out of necessity. This is in Matthew chapter 21. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt tied with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. Immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Everyone say, Your king is coming. Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on the donkey, on the foal of the donkey, on a colt, the foal of the donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and sat on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So this is a, this is a spectacle. It's, it's interesting because there's two, they, they don't exactly overlap chronologically, but there's two sort of ways in which are seasons of Jesus' ministry. One of the seasons of his ministry, and, and I'm not, these don't exactly overlap chronologically because you see little things interspersed. But one of the seasons of his ministry, Jesus heals and does miracles in a way that is less overt and less public. There are many times where Jesus says something like, um, don't, just don't tell anybody that this happened. And when Jesus came to the wedding of Cana, even when his mom, he did ultimately do the miracle, wanted him to, he said, it's not yet my time. And when the brothers of Jesus wanted Jesus to go to Jerusalem, Jesus said, for you any time will do, but it's, it's, it's not yet my time. And so I, I want to make this point that at times the way that Jesus is working is less revealed and it's less obvious and it's less public. How many of you have had Jesus working in your life in a way that was less revealed? Like that's, that's normal, that's, that's part of. But there are times, and especially towards the end of Jesus' ministry, where what he did, he made himself revealed for everyone to see. And one of the things that has been uh, very uh, important during this Lenten season, it's been coming up as a, as a repeated theme, is the way we see. When, Jesus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John 3, Jesus tells him that unless you are born of the Spirit, you won't even be able to see the kingdom of God. How many of you want to see what God's doing? And so we're, we have to live by the Spirit to see what He's doing. And so at the, end of his, at the end of Jesus' life on earth, He makes it more obvious for people to see what He's doing. Amen? So I, uh, this morning, I, we got out 
Abilene. We're going to drive back. It's 5.30 in the morning. And we get, up, we get out, and it's dark still. And we're driving through Abilene, and there's no car out but, but ours. You know, kind of one of the most embarrassing things about going to that concert was, and I wasn't too embarrassed about it, but is that we pulled up in our electric, you know, Kia. <laughs> I think we were the only ones in an electric Kia there, but anyway, <laughs> just came to me while I was sitting here thinking of the last couple of days' events, and we're driving in the morning, and there's no cars on the road, not even a truck, and this train starts rolling next to me. And how many of you have ever driven like West Texas? And you can see that train on 20 forever in a day. And the train has this like sound, especially in silence. I never really thought about trains until we moved to a house with train with the train next to it. We we were really worried when we when we moved, we were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be loud all the time. Turns out it's a really pleasant thing to, to hear a train. And, but trains have this way of when you see them and you hear them, I don't know how to explain this, there's like sort of an inevitability of a train. Like in my little electric Kia, I could turn left, right, stop, I could pull over to 7-Eleven and get coffee, which I did at 5.45 in the morning. But a train is going down a track. And uh, one, of my, one of my other favorite uh, artists of all time is a guy named Johnny Cash. How many of you ever heard of Johnny Cash? He sang this song called Redemption Song. And in this song, he says, there's a train that's headed straight to heaven's gates heaven's gates, and on the way, child and man, watch and wait, watch and wait for Redemption Day. And when I imagine that song, I imagine something, I imagine a train that will inevitably arrive to its destination. When Jesus comes into the city, and everyone starts shouting, everyone starts praising, and the whole city comes into to an uproar, what God is going to do will inevitably happen. And I, I believe that one of the things that the church needs, I'm so grateful that we have an understanding of free will. I'm so grateful that we have an understanding that we're able to make decisions about where God is leading us, and we're, we're able to follow Him but we have to have a, a sometimes a realization that the work that God is going to do, He is going to accomplish. And when Jesus came and rode in on that city at that day, at that time, exactly as God had designed for a, for a specific donkey, a specific foal that Zechariah had prophesied about hundreds of years before, God was going to do His work and there was nothing that could stop Him. There is a train that is headed straight for the cross and for the resurrection and there is no ruler on earth that could stop him. And I believe that right now is a season where God is speaking in a way 
where you either get with what he's doing or you, or you stand and watch. Like God is going to do his work and I want to be with him. Amen? Um, but in order for us to do his work, we must be able to see what he is doing. Somebody hand me a palm branch as I turn to another scripture. Oh, thank you, Levi. Um, I shared some of this history, I think last year or the year before, but it's helpful, I think, as a reminder. How many like waving these palms this morning in worship? They're kind of awkward to wave. You're like, I don't know, like, what do I do with this? Do I kind of wave it? Um, but these palm branches are, are an important historical piece of, of uh, culture for Israel. Uh, about a you know, couple hundred years before, there was this empire called the Suklet Empire that had taken over the, uh, they'd taken over Jerusalem and Israel, and there was a revolt from these, these people that's called the Maccabean Re- Revolt. And when Judas Maccabees came into the city as a, as a victor, delivering Israel from, its, uh, from this empirical group that had come and take over them, they came, they actually fought a little battle. When they came into the city, people started shouting and they started throwing and waving palm branches. And so when Jesus comes riding into the city and they are, Jesus comes riding into the city and everyone is throwing palm branches, like they're speaking of something that they already know. And so I want you to, I want to read to you for a moment what God was doing and what the people were seeing. In Zechariah, when we read this prophecy that is referenced, if I can find it, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Everyone say, your king is coming. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt and the foal of the donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse, the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. And so the scripture says, that this Messiah will come riding in like on a donkey. He will come in. He will be one not coming with war. He will come to break the war horse, to break the war bow, and he will become to declare peace to the nations. But these people are using, they're waving branches that are symbolic of them seeing a Messiah who's come to deliver them by force. And what I realize is that God wants us to see what He's doing. He wants us to see exactly how He wants to work in our life. But if we have our eyes fixed on what we want to see, if we have our eyes fixed on what we think God is going to do, and not just fixed on Him Himself, we actually miss Him. And the Lord, the Lord needs for us to let go of our expectations, to let go of our suffering, to let go 
of all the things that would impede our vision to be able to see His glory at work. In, in Luke, after Jesus comes in, this triumphal entry, He says, Now as He drew near to the city, He wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially in the, your dark day, the things that make for your peace, but now they were hidden from your eyes. They are hidden from your eyes. And so Jesus is coming in as a Messiah of peace. Israel is expecting, looking for a Messiah of power, and they do not see him. And so Jesus grieves as they come in. And it's easy for us to look at this story year after year and just see it as like, oh, how, you missed it, Israel. How did you miss it? But all of us, when God's at work in our life, all of us often fail to see His work because of our own expectations and what we want Him to do. And I believe if we will lay down sometimes what we expect Him to do, sometimes what we want Him to do, our history, our suffering, all the things that cloud our judgment, and we let God to, if we let God give us pure sight, we will see God riding in in our lives. So this week, as I said, I, I read this scripture so many times and reflected on all that's been said about the scripture, and I just couldn't gain, I just couldn't gain any clarity. I couldn't gain like anything that felt meaningful or worthwhile to say. And so this morning as we got up and we're, it's 5.30 and it's dark, I'm driving down the road, just hammering away, typing any thoughts that I have. I stopped and I told Andrew, I was like, you know, I was like, there are times where I've tried so hard to prepare for something that I stop and just ask God to, because I can't get my mind prepared, God, just prepare my heart. And as soon as I said that, I remember what Matthew says. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? They shall see God. And it occurred to me that it's probable that the reason that Israel, that Jerusalem, missed their Savior coming into the city, fulfilling the words of Zechariah, is not because they hadn't studied the Scripture enough, but it was because their hearts made it so they could not see. And I, I believe that this is a season where God is wanting to do great things through us. But in order for us to see, we will have to let Him purify our hearts. And to me, the way that my heart gets distorted, obviously by sin, but the way that my heart gets distorted by more than probably anything else 
is me building my own vision of what life in God is supposed to be apart from Him. And I would just say over the last couple years, as the Lord has been drawing us back to Him, drawing us back to seeing His work, the thing that I've been repenting of is not just like some bad thing, or, but I've been repenting of my vision that's birthed without God. And so I just want to pray. I don't have anything profound to share with you this morning, but I, I want to pray that God would purify our hearts that he, we may see His work. Because I believe this is a time where He's wanting to do profound things to us. So I just want us to just close your eyes for a moment. God, I pray that, that You would just purify our hearts today. That you would purify our hearts, Lord. I pray that we would let go of vision that we have, wants that we have, ideas that we have of what we're supposed to be doing or how you're supposed to work, be working in our life. And that we would come back to you. That we may see you clearly, God. You know, that is my prayer this morning, that you would purify our hearts that we may see you, God that you would purify our hearts, that we may see you, God. I pray that we would not be like Jerusalem, that as we come to this Easter moment, that we miss it because we have some vision that's not your vision, Lord. And so I just pray that you would, tend, you would make us tender, you would make us soft, that we may see you, Lord. If, if this resonates with you, I, if, if, you're, if you need to let go of some vision that you have of how God is supposed to work in your life um, and cling to His face, I just want you to stand with me. That's, that's how the Lord's been working in me. If that makes sense for you, I want you just to stand. If you need to let go of vision of how you think God is supposed to be working and you need his voice. You need his eyes. If you could just put, put your hand on those that are standing right now. And God would give them fresh, fresh sight that he would purify their hearts. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that disappointment would leave. I pray that the need for um, vindication would leave. I feel very specifically that God wants to break the need for vindication. Lord, I just pray that you would break, break the need and desire for vindication, God. And God, I pray in the place of a, of a, of a contrite and broken heart that you would give clear eyes to see what you're doing, Lord. God, for every person who's standing... You, you have a plan that is specific for them. You want to use them. You don't just want to heal them. You want to use them. And so, Lord, I just pray not just for healing. I pray for restoration into the fullness of calling in Jesus' name. I pray for the fullness of your plans.
But God, I pray for clarity of sight in Jesus' name, that you would heal every place, that you would bring that contrite heart, and that you would allow them to see clearly what it is you want to do them. And I know this isn't what you, what you stood for, but I believe for every person standing, this is, this is a commissioning. God is releasing you. He is releasing you into the fullness of his plans. I pray that it would unfold step by step by step in Jesus' name, that you would remind us that you have plans that are specific and unique for us in spite of everything we've been through, and that they would let go of the need for vindication. They would see you with a pure heart. God, let them see your work. I bless them, Lord. Bless every person standing with an anointing to follow you into your works. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at Clearpath Dallas. Thanks for listening.